This is The Annex, an academic sociology podcast. I'm Joseph Cohen from the City University of New York, Queens College. Today, we discuss the University of California's decision to walk away from negotiations with the publisher Elsevier. Our discussants include Gabriel Rossman of UCLA and Timothy Gill from the University of North Carolina, Wilmington. Our discussion was recorded on Wednesday, March 6, 2019. All right, so by far the biggest story this week is UC uh, walking away from Elsevier. Gabe, do you want to uh, give the backstory? You're probably best equipped. Yeah, so you know, not only am I a UC faculty member, but um, this year I'm serving as a sociology delegate to the UCLA Faculty Senate. Hmm. And so I saw the um, – and also I'm on the board of a Elsevier journal. So I've kind of seen this – from a few different ways. So the big picture is that Elsevier has a reputation as being the worst publisher in um, academic publishing and, you know, being the most uh, extortionate about rates and uh, that sort of thing. And then in contrast to that, the University of California is probably the most aggressive library system in U.S. academia in pushing for open access journals and basically trying to unravel the incumbent business model of academic publishing, where the journal publisher bundles together a bunch of journals Hmm. and sells them to academic libraries on a rental basis. Um, And then you can't read it if you're not part of a library system Mm -hmm. that subscribes to it. And anyone who isn't part of a library system gets asked to pay, you know, $35 to get a permanent copy of the article or maybe, you know, a mere $20 to have a 24 hour license, you know, to, <laughs> yeah. you know, read it through the DRM PDF, you know, it's just ridiculous. Um, yeah. I mean, especially because all of us have done lit reviews, you know, that you check out five articles for every one that you actually cite, Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you were, if it was making it into the article, it might be worth it, but you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's no way that, you know, anyway, so um, you have this like, you know, irresistible force meets an unmovable object where you have the University of California is trying to transition everything to open access, mm-hmm. where, uh, which I should also explain that model. Yeah, for sure. Where there's no paywall, but obviously the journal still has expenses, even if it's nonprofit and even if it tries to run on a shoestring, there's still irreducible expenses. And also being on the board of an open access journal, you know, yet another perspective, I can tell you, the expenses of running an open access journal run from at a, you know, bare minimum where you're heavily subsidized, you run everything on a shoestring, you try and do, you know, you don't compensate the editors. So basically bare minimum, best case scenario, it's $500 an article. Hmm. And more realistic, it's somewhere between uh, 1500 and uh, $5,000 an article. Um, and so with open access, uh, that gets paid for not through this very indirect thing of, you know, students pay tuition to the university, the university gives a budget to the library, the library pays a subscription fee to the journal, mm-hmm. um, which is basically the old model. Um, with open access, you just have the author pays for the costs of running the journal. Uh, as an author fee, which, like I said, is typically a couple thousand dollars per article. Um, and then uh, it's free. There's no paywall. Gabriel, can you explain to me what what that $1,500 figure, like what, what costs that much? Well, I can tell you at Sociological Science, we mm-hmm. charge about $500. Um, and I can tell you what we spend the 500 on. Yeah. And, and then, um, you know, to, to get the extra thousand or so, 
you, you basically just have to imagine not being such a tightwad and not being cross subsidized uh, by Stanford University. Right. Right. So, so, so for the 500, we spend that on, you know, first of all, we have to rent access to the content management system. Okay. Uh, so we use Scholastica, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's similar to Manuscript Central, but it's just the one we use. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to pay for website hosting mm-hmm. uh, to maintain all the articles, and you have to pay for um, copy editing. Uh, you have to hire a managing editor and you have to um, have a uh, typesetting. Okay. So like aesthetic and presentation things though, basically. Well, also editorial, you know, I mean, it, you have to have the content, the content management system and the, um, and the managing editor, that's basically managing the flow of peer review. Right. And, it, you know, realistically, if we were actually breaking out the cost of production mm-hmm. um, by how much it costs to review an article, even with our expedited format and how much it costs to actually publish the article, we'd probably charge something like $150 mm-hmm. to review an article and $300 to publish an article rather than, I don't know, $30 to review an article right. and 500 or so to publish it. Um, it. It's not like, you know, I got that number through detail, but that's just my ballpark. Um, right, right, right. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So in effect, the published articles are kind of slightly cross subsidizing the reviewed articles, but just because we have a culture that people would see it as like if people bitch now that, you know, I don't think they even read the article, which we do, um, mm-hmm. you know, and it's 20 bucks. Imagine how upset if it was 100. And then, you know, we are extremely cheap in how we do it and try and try mm-hmm. extraordinarily hard to make it cheap. Uh, and, and we kind of have to, to a certain extent, because sociology is, uh, mostly a soft money discipline. Well, not a soft money discipline, but we, we're not a grant heavy field. Like in the, in the, in STEM, they don't feel that bad about, um, author fees because they all have grants anyway. And if you're paying your right. whole salary out of grants, plus 50% indirects, what's an, what's an extra $2,000 for an author fee. Mm-hmm. What is the cost at, uh, sociological science? I feel like I tried to, uh, it's about 500. It's 500. 500. Give or take. I mean, it's a formula where there's like, I don't know, a hundred bucks plus 20 bucks a page or something like that. And then it's Mm -hmm. a little bit more for full professors than it is for assistant professors versus graduate students. But it's around $500. So maybe if you're a a graduate student with a short article, it might be 350. And if you're a full professor with a long article, it might be 700. But it's going to be in the neighborhood of 500 bucks. Mm -hmm. Right. It's still a lot. I mean, uh, yeah, but it, it is what it costs, right? I mean, I can right, guarantee right. you it's not going to, uh, you know, Jesper's not blowing it on cocaine. Yeah, for sure. But why, why are we doing so many of these things now? Like when I think about the role of academic publishing, like I understand its practical function uh, in terms of, you know, propagating knowledge and creating forms to discuss things, right? Like somebody had to print the paper stuff. Somebody had to send the paper copies, right? I get that. Printing and mailing is nothing. I mean, printing and mailing is not that expensive. I mean, it's expensive, but it's not that expensive. And, right. you know, sociological scientists discussed having a paper edition that we'd publish a volume uh, once a year, but we realized nobody was interested. Yeah, why though? But, like, why aren't you just putting up Microsoft Office copies on the open science framework? You know, like, I don't even understand. There seems to be, like, a lot of cost related to aesthetic things, you know, like typesetting is not that expensive. Typesetting adds maybe a hundred dollars per article. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then copy editing is maybe another hundred bucks. So 
you know, I'm not sure exactly, maybe it's 200 each, but they're not that expensive and they make it feel professional. I mean, if you're, if you're breaking from the incumbent model, Mm -hmm. right? So if you're doing something that's strange already, so there's no Mm -hmm. print edition. Yeah. And also there's only one round of peer review. Mm-hmm. And also it's not grounded in a traditional disciplinary society, mm-hmm. you know, so all the, and also it's not published by a traditional academic publisher. So there's all these different ways that um, sociological science is breaking from the kind of uh, archetypal model of sociological journal publishing. Right. If you were to then have something that looks like a piece of shit and is full of typos, mm-hmm. right. nobody would take you seriously. They just say, this is, oh, Jesper has a blog and, you know, it wouldn't, Nobody would take it seriously as a journal. Well, I don't know because one is we're now in an age where people can post at least at least with statistical findings, right? People could post statistical findings on blogs and they have huge consequences, right? I tell you what, if you want to undercut us, I would be very happy to see <laughs> Joe, just, Joe's crazy Joe's house of bargain masterpiece. It wouldn't happen, but it's odd because I feel like the sociology community is sufficiently small that like, you know, I I, I don't know that the sociological science in and of itself, I feel like it has some enough stature that you would take it seriously in a hiring or promotion and tenuring decision. No, it does now, Now. but that's because it has a track record of publishing pretty good articles. If it, if right. You know, the, and and I honestly, I think part of it is that they look like articles. If we publish things that look like manuscripts, and you know, and it said, uh, you know, figure one about here, even in the final version, nobody would take that seriously. How many big media pieces are done off of conference papers? Like the media is so quick to jump now; they don't even wait for peer review before reporting on things. Like I don't know. I feel like the media environment is changing, and Obviously, you can't do it all at once, and obviously, I don't know how to do it. But the, I, I think that a lot of them have outlived their practical usefulness. You know, and they're making so much money. Have you seen how much they make these companies? Yeah. Well. Okay. So that's. So let's let's just take as. I mean, I know that you're trying to um, bargain us down from five hundred to two hundred, but really, five hundred is cheap. You know, as these things go, and right. the only reason that it feels expensive to us is because the costs are hidden and that we don't see that really it's way more than $500 per article, but it's, uh, but it comes in the form of tuition or it comes in the form of subsidies from the state uh, legislature, or it comes in the form of development to uh, rich alumni. Um, And so those costs are hidden to us. This is just making it more overt and kind of de-obfuscating the traditional, very indirect business model of academic publishing. So, but where, how do you get, how do you get from 500 to a thousand is basically you don't put the same kind of extraordinary emphasis that we do at social science on being a tightwad. And then how do you get from a thousand to 5,000? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, you can do things like you can pay the editors. Mm-hmm. Um, and second of all, you can do, do things like, you know, sometimes uh, you have profits for the publishers. Now I'm not saying they're necessarily thousands of dollars per journal, but you do have profits built in. And so that's some of it. Whereas, you know, like I said, sociological science is run on the cheap and it's run on a nonprofit basis. Well, I know these companies like Oxford University Press is doing like a billion and a half in revenue. Well, yeah. And that's part of the point of what the UC is trying to do is that the UC is trying to, you know, uh, reduce journal 
publisher profit margins. You know, I bet if if the UC system took all of it, the money that it spends on making or accessing subscriptions to sociological journals and channeled that into like its own sociological science, like the University of California Sociology Journal, but they'd have plenty of money left over. That's basically what they're trying to do. Yeah. I mean, so for the last few years, the University of California library system has been on a big push to push open access. So uh, one aspect of that is that UC um, faculty are required to post an open access version of all their journal articles. I love and it. as a UC faculty member, every time I publish an article, I get an email saying, you know, have you posted a open access version? And it sends me to this website they've designed. And, mm-hmm. you know, if I want to post on social archive, I just give them the link to social archive. Mm-hmm. And um, if I, and if I, let's say I don't know of any, let's say I didn't know about social archive, mm-hmm. but they, they have their own um, open access repo where you can put the preprint. So they're requiring uh, UC faculty to post preprints mm-hmm. of all their articles, and you know, making and then they try and make sure that that preprint is basically linked to the uh, you know final publisher website version. Uh, and, and although you don't have to do a preprint if it's an open access journal, but basically they want some version publicly available that's not paywalled. Right. And they're heavily emphasizing that. And then on top of that, they also have a, a fund for author fees for you know people who don't have grants just for author fees. The hmm. university library has some of that. And then they started doing that, I want to say about four years ago. And then the thing that just happened is that they were pushing when they their contracts with the publishers come up for expiration, mm-hmm. they're aggressively renegotiating to um, try and include open access versions without increasing the total value of the license. So they're trying to make it so that if you go to the Elsevier website, let's say you go to poetics.elsevier.com mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of going to you know sociarchive.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you could see my article open access, even if you're not at the UC and Elsevier was pushing back against that. And, or that we're really what they're saying is, Oh, sure. We'll be happy to do that. Just pay us three times more money. Right. And so they've been negotiating this for a while. And then about a week ago, two weeks ago, by the time the listener hears this, the uh, poet, excuse me, Elsevier sent out a letter to all uh, UC faculty members who were in any way affiliated with, um, an Elsevier journal mm-hmm. as like a board member or an editor. Mm-hmm. And it basically said, uh, it was, it was kind of hinting to us like, you know, Oh, it could cause problems. <laughs> uh, and, and I, I actually, I'll admit that like when I get a lot of emails, I just skim them. And I originally mm-hmm. thought it was from UC mm-hmm. encouraging me to resign as a board member. And I'm like, yeah, good for you. UC, you know, later that it was Elsevier. Uh, so the next day the UC pulled out of negotiations. Oh, okay. And at the UCLA Senate faculty meeting, the librarian said it was because they were pissed at this letter. Oh, really? Yeah. Don't mess with UC. <laughs> yeah, and don't fuck around with librarians either. <laughs> Definitely don't. I, yeah. I think it's amazing though, you know, and if this is a direction or a stand that like the city university of New York wanted to take, I would be very supportive of it. You know, I, uh, I think it adds a lot of costs on our, like the, the costs do transmit to our students and to the institution. They divert mm-hmm. resources that we could be using for other things. And they like restrict the, the dissemination of knowledge. Mm-hmm. 
And these are very, very big companies like uh, Reed Elsevier does like five to six billion in revenue. Like Springer does two billion. McGraw Hill does a billion and a half. Oxford does a billion and a half. Pearson does like six billion. Thompson, and it's not all on university stuff, but like the university system is subsidizing them. Oh, well, I mean, that's basically their whole customer base. I mean, they're not really going for, I mean, yeah, they're not selling to anyone else, really. Yeah, this isn't hashtag or like. I can imagine people are out there paying $40 for an article. I see that sometimes that they're, you know, as you mentioned, the rental fee, $30 or whatever it is. But I I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, I can't imagine anyone out there that's, (laughs) that's doing that. They might as well just replace it with a, your VPN isn't working, contact IT to fix it. No, I mean, that's when you see the message is when your computer doesn't realize that you're a faculty member because you're you're using your internet from home and you haven't set up the uh, VPN correctly. Yeah. And it keeps people from reading your stuff. Like if you're about disseminating what you're writing or whatever, like less people will read it because of this model. Although let's be honest, nobody in their right mind is going to read our stuff if they don't have to. <laughs> well, well, not my stuff, but if I were yeah. good, then. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that people are interested. I, I you know, I put, po- I, you know, I post stuff on. I don't know if it's a network thing or whatnot, or people are interested in Venezuela. Mm-hmm. But I post stuff on, you know, Twitter or Facebook, and mm-hmm. let people know if they want a copy, you know, of my recent article and whatever journal of X sociology and a fair amount of people. I mean, I'm not going to say not hundreds, but you know, a a few, you know, a half dozen or a dozen people each time I post something or more want access to it. I think that there is, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, it seems to me, I I mean, granted, I'm still uh, new to this and whatnot, but I I think people do crave some data, crave some uh, statistic studies, you know, but totally. Yeah. I mean, some stuff, of course, that we do is a little bit uh, obscure and archaic and all the rest of it. But I think that, you know, if, if the, if our articles were more accessible, then I, I do think that there might be more of an audience. Um, and, uh, yeah, it is, there's something really, I agree. There's something as particularly about sociology, that's very perverse, you know, we're writing about Mm. society and yet no one can, uh, no one can access these uh, these journal articles. It's always funny when something comes up mm-hmm. about like uh, socialist strategy and uh, Marxist revolutionary <laughs> yeah. strategy, and people are responding, you know, like the revolution is paywalled. You know what I mean? And so yeah. it's uh, yeah, it's just <laughs> the paywall we used to hang. Right? So I mean, I, I do. I think it's admirable the sociological science and what you're doing over there, Gabriel. But yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be. I'm going to be perfectly honest. I looked into submitting there once, and I did do. A calculation i'm a qualitative sociologist so not the best with numbers but i remember calculating i'm like this is going to be like four hundred dollars and uh yeah i mean you know um i think as you mentioned before with grant money and this and that if you don't have grant money if you got a kid if you got loans it's it's factoring in four or five hundred bucks for a um for an article it can be it's a lot it's a lot it's a lot i don't mean to you know yeah. sound insensitive to what uh what what you're up to but i feel like there's got to be a better way you know this it's crazy how much money um you know as joe just mentioned that uh, El- elsevier uh and everyone's making billions of dollars um Billions. Yeah, billions. I mean, it's crazy to think about. And then, you know, and then in between 500 bucks. But I know exactly what you're saying. There is a stylistic issue and taking things seriously. Nobody wants to just look at some random PDF. There's some, there is, I know what you're saying. There's an aesthetic 
sort of cheapening of the quality. And there's a perception um, around these articles and in that perhaps we want to see a particular design, but yeah, I don't know. I just, yeah, I mean, four or $500 for people, particularly, I mean, if you're an adjunct professor that's trying to get back in the job market, that's a lot of money. So you can contrast something like social science to something like social archive, mm-hmm. which has no author mm-hmm. fees, but they do have expenses. And there, there's two ways that um, social archive can charge zero to the author. Mm-hmm. Um, one is that they don't have typesetting. And, you know, you guys keep coming back to typesetting. But honestly, yeah. the review <laughs> costs money as well. Even, even though you're not paying the peer reviewers, even though you're not paying the editors, you're paying the managing editor and you're paying for the content management system. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the review matters a lot. Um, and, you know, Social Archive has, I mean, they, they basically have enough, they have a spam filter. They don't have review, right? I mean, they're making sure that it's not just, you know, uh, you know, grow your penis, get rich, you know, uh, whatever. Right. They're, they're, they're making sure that it's actually uh, sociology. But within that, they basically will publish anything. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's pretty cheap. Because it basically just means that Phil Cohen skims it, says, "Yep, looks like so," should then post it, right. um, and then they also don't do typesetting. So, mm-hmm. so it's cheaper to run in uh, a preprint archive than it is to run an open access journal. Um, even though, in some sense, they seem similar in the sense that they're both a website with a bunch of scholarly PDFs. Right. And, and then the other thing is that um, they have grants. Mm-hmm. Right, they're they're supported by grants, and uh, you know, so there, there's there's two ways the grants could work. One is that you can have a, you know, kind of micro grants for faculty members to pay author fees. So you know, you could go to the North Carolina system and ask for them to pay. Uh, you know, and it might very well be the case that your library has grants that you know pay at least the first few hundred dollars of it. But of course, that's hassle. And uh, and there's transaction costs associated with it. If, and then also, I don't know if this actually happens anywhere, but you could imagine an open access journal that had an endowment. Mm-hmm. And sure. so there were no author fees because the open access journal uh, got things out of the endowment. Um, so, you know, there's various ways to imagine that. But but ultimately, so, I mean, I think it's interesting that you pointed out that, like, you know, you're like, well, you know, I don't want my stuff to be paywalled. And I think it's important to be, have people have access to it. But it would be for five hundred dollars, and um, and I think part of that is that there's a rational calculation that you're making right. that it's kind of a um, a tragedy of the commons thing that for any given author, particularly if let's face it, we're really more interested in getting the line on the CV than in having people outside academia read it. Mm-hmm. Like that is the concrete incentive, and if people outside of academia read it and are interested, in it, that's just cherry on the cake. Yep. It's not. The actual um, it's hiring and promotion that's what it matters for. yeah 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 exactly and and that makes sense because and honestly the hiring and promotion is worth way more than four five hundred or even two thousand dollars oh like, it's no it's a monster annuity if you think of it as an annuity it's enormous yeah exactly imagine that asr started charging five thousand dollar author fees tomorrow right and you had and then the day after you get uh, uh, the letter saying, congratulations, we've decided to give you a conditional accept, you'd be out of your fucking mind to say you're not paying $5,000 yeah. uh, for that. Put it on the credit card if you have to, because mm-hmm. uh, that's going to be worth way more than $5,000 to you over the long run. If, if you could borrow that much, some people can't get, a lot of people can't get that much. Yeah, yeah. So with the, okay, so part of it 
but there's also like a cultural thing in that we're just not used to author fees. There's a very mm-hmm. strong sense in which author fees feel illegitimate to sociologists because we're like, hey, I didn't have, I didn't used to have to pay for that. Why should I have to pay for that? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we pay for other things that are more expensive and honestly less useful than author fees, right? You, it doesn't strike you as outrageous that you have to pay for ASA conference registration, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but that's also about $400. And actually when you pay the membership fee plus the, Right, the membership fee plus the conference registration is I don't know five hundred dollars something like that. Mm-hmm. So whatever it is, it's in the same ballpark as an author fee at Sociological Science. And honestly, you know, getting that article out there in Social Science is worth more to you than um, going to ASA another year. But we just have a culture that we are familiar with one and not the other, and so we just kind of take it for granted of this is something I have to pay for and this is something I don't. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. The money, has, I mean, I used to be an editorial assistant for qualitative sociology and, you know, I see all the work that goes into the, to the journals, the editor, the proofreading, the going through the manuscripts, contacting people, all the rest of it. So, I mean, I totally agree that money, you know, people have to get paid um, one way or another. Um, I just, you know, I, I don't know. There, I, I feel like there's got to be uh, maybe an alternative. I mean, do any journals like what? It, what it has sociological science, or I mean, instead of bundling up with like an Elsevier or like a Sage or this or that, do any journals have like direct relationships? I mean, it sounds like it get so complicated for a library if they had to deal individually with every single journal. But um, you know, if you kind of rented the journal to uh, directly to libraries. I mean, I, I, I just, I'm just trying to think out loud about, you know, any sort of other mm. alternative to this, to this sort of model. J- journals don't have to negotiate directly with sociological science because we just, we don't have a paywall. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, so the okay. university of California doesn't need to negotiate access with sociological science because right, know, right, right, right. anyone can read sociological science and the university of California library system is a subset of anyone. Okay. So th- there's no negotiation to be had really the, yeah. but, but you're right that having an individual journal would actually be worse because you'd be adding in a bunch of transaction costs, right? It's, it's easier. I mean, the, the journal publishers do get monopsony power, which is why they're profitable. But on the other hand, there's transaction costs, savings to negotiating with a few large publishers as compared to lots of tiny publishers. So uh, one, so one thing, so one thing of like, I, I'm trying to take this to like, well, you know, uh, we're the problem. Mm-hmm. Right. So one is that you have authors who, uh, you know, either because they don't have it priced in and, you know, some of this is not the individual author's fault. Part of it is that, you know, we, we're used to the idea of you have travel support money, but not used to the idea yet that you have um, author fee money mm-hmm. um, that you can draw on. Um, and then part of it is like, well, push comes to shove. Should you pay for it out of pocket? You know, a lot of people push comes to shove would pay for ASA registration out of pocket, but wouldn't pay for author fees out of pocket, which mm-hmm. to me is kind of silly. But I understand that traditionally that's how it works. And I think the kind of tradition and expectation is a big part of this. There's another possibility, though, is what if we developed in our discipline conventions in hiring committees and promotion committees where we like just judged work differently? Like uh, we were able to just read an analysis ourselves off OSS, off Social Archive. And like when we're in the hiring committee, we actually appraise the work. And we're not like, oh, that's an AJS. That must be good. Well, the problem with that is, yeah, you're saying that now because you're not on a search committee. (laughs) True, yes. I mean, if you have 200 applicants for an open search, Mm -hmm. 
and each of them has written two to three articles. You really, you really think that people are going to read four to 600 articles in the space of like 40 days while they're on a search committee? Well, I mean, you'd probably be pretty quick to reject people just on the abstract or whatever. Maybe you're saying, well, it's not read enough or something, but people can just gravitate well, towards okay, so, so you're saying that we should read the abstracts rather than roll. <laughs> no, that's a terrible <laughs> answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know. There must be a better method. You can use analytics. Like- so I have, I have another person whose fault it is. So here's a place where it's actually my fault. I was on the board of uh, OOW a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And one of the pieces of business they brought us is that a publisher had a journal that broadly fit within OOW's mandate. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to be declared the official journal of OOW. Mm-hmm. And they offered basically a kickback to OOW. I mean, not personally to like right, the right. council members that walked away, but like, you know, that they, they'd give a sponsorship agreement. Or yeah, it's a sponsorship agreement where right. they'd give the section like a thousand dollars a year to sponsor it. And I'm thinking like, and I kind of wasn't comfortable with this, but you know, the meeting was running long and I didn't hear anything, but I'll say something. So I'm like, yeah, whatever. But like, I kind of don't like that. Right. That it's like, is it really, because really honestly, what do the sections need the money for? So you have a bigger reception at ASA. Yeah. We don't actually need section reception at ASA. And so for, you know, it's it's one of those selling your birthright for a mess of pottage type things, right? For having an open bar instead of a cash bar mm-hmm. at your um, journal, your section reception, mm-hmm. you're willing to sign over the sponsorship rights to a for-profit publisher that, you know, we just see that as a thousand dollars that goes to the section so that we can have a slightly bigger reception or have one more graduate student mm-hmm. prize or something like that. But really, you know, ultimately that money comes out of tuition or Mm -hmm. Uh, whatever. Or cuts people off, cuts people off from knowledge. Yeah, that's right. Now, it's not like this was a journal that was open access and we decided to pay wallet in order to get $1,000, but still it was the section participating in the system. Mm -hmm. And likewise, the ASA participates in the system when, uh, you know, the ASA uh, disciplinary journals, not the section journals, um, have their agreement with Sage. You know, Sage is a relatively good citizen as publishers go. It's not Elsevier, mm. but, uh, you know, it still is paywalled. Oh, it's such, it just, all of this strikes me as such a dated conception of academia though, right? Like all the posh scholars who have the money to fly out to another city, uh, you know, and enjoy like a nicer buffet, uh, you know, while they paywall. It's like such an old elitist model of like how this business should be run. You've been listening to The Annex, an academic sociology podcast. You can visit us on the web, www.sociocast.org annex. Follow us on Twitter, at Sociannex, and visit us on Facebook, The Annex Sociology Podcast. Our producer is Lisseth Moreno. On behalf of Gabriel Rossman and Timothy Gill, I'm Joseph Cohen. Thanks for listening.